We must have put cushions in those chairs. Good morning. Welcome. It's so good to see you. Let's all stand up and sing together.
we bow your heads and pray with me, please? Dear Lord, that, that is our desire, that you just have your way with us, Lord, that you just use us and you mold us and you just use us to your perfection, Lord, and help us just to shine for you and work for you, especially in this coming year. Lord, just fill us up with you today and just let us enter into your presence as we worship here this morning. In your name I pray. Amen.
And children, come join us for a few minutes up front here. It was hard to get up this morning, huh? Woo! Just imagine. We're going to need lots of prayer tomorrow, aren't we? And we go back to school this week. But I'm, you know what? I'm kind of excited about this new year because when we have, scoot over just a little bit, when we have a new year, it's kind of like a chance to start over at some things and do some things differently. And a lot of people make what's called resolutions. Have you ever heard of those? A lot of people say they're not going to do something, like, I am not eating that much ever again, or I am not going to sit in front of the TV so much, or oh, I am not going to do this and not going to do that. But you know what I want you guys to try to think about this time, this year? What you can do, okay? We want to think about something that we definitely can do. And one of the things that we can do is that we can get closer to God, I want us to work this year on maybe trying to, to get closer to God by learning some of his word, okay? One of the things our family tried to do this Christmas was to pick out a, a Bible verse that each of the people in our family could memorize for this year. And they weren't very long. The adults' verses were a little bit longer than the kids' verses, but we all tried to pick something that might be on our hearts that we need to work on. And so our goal for this year is to learn our verse, and to get a little better at that. And one of the reasons why we want to memorize some verses is so that we will have Jesus with us in our hearts and we can know his word at all times. If we memorize it, then we know it and we won't forget it. So one of the things I'm going to give you guys today is one of the verses that we're going to learn as a family. And I would like for you maybe try to learn it too. It's real simple, okay? Can you repeat after me? Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. So there's three real important words that we need to work on. Rejoice. What do you think rejoice means? To be happy. To be happy. Forever. Right. To rejoice always. To be happy. Pray without ceasing. What do you think pray without? Pray without stopping. Pray without stopping. To pray all the time. So can you tell this is Caroline's verse? To pray all the time, to pray without ceasing, to pray without stopping, to pray to God any time that you think of him. And in everything, give thanks. That means we need to be thankful for all the wonderful things that we have in our lives and sometimes even thankful for the things that are difficult for us to do. So we need to be thankful that we're having the opportunity to grow in those situations. So say, say it one with me one more time. Rejoice, Rejoice. 
always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Okay, I'm going to give you one of these. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray together. I'll just pray this time and you guys can listen. How about that? Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to have this new year with you. Lord, I pray that each one of us grows in your word this year and that we can have you on our hearts whenever we need you and whenever we want you around, Lord. And one of the ways that we can do that is by getting into your word. Lord, help these children to learn this year that, that you are right here with them and that, that you are never far away. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Missed y'all last Sunday. We did have church at 11 o'clock and had about 50-something people here, uh, including some excellently, wonderfully singing children. Uh, that was an exciting time for us. But anyway, good to see you here. Glad that you're back uh, from your Christmas trips. Those of you that have been traveling and are here with us today to worship and if you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you here and hope that you'll want to learn more about our church and uh, I invite you to ask questions later today if you have any regarding uh, what we do here at Memorial because we'd love to have you come back and be with us very often. We want to give you an opportunity to express your concern for um, your friends, neighbors, and family members in prayer and we would invite you to share those concerns on a on an index card that our ushers will hand out to you now if you'll raise your hand so that we can see who needs one. If you need a pencil, let the folks know, but we will uh, collect those in a few moments um, and share your prayer concerns um, in prayer together to Almighty God. Let's see what all kind of good announcements we got here today. Bible studies at Memorial will resume next Sunday with four opportunities for us to learn more about God's holy word. Jimmy Fowler and Lynn Pennington will continue their Bible study that began last fall. Two, Eric Jeter will lead an exciting James McDonald Bible study entitled Downpour. Three, Joy Hudson will lead us in a Bible study entitled uh, First Place for Health which is a Christ-centered study that is also a healthy living program. And fourthly, a Bible study that Mike Henson will lead. It's a short-term disciples Bible study entitled Invitation to Romans. Um, Mike has arranged to sign up a plaza back there on the tables for all of those Bible studies. If you would like to sign up for one of those today to let us know uh, of your interest. Uh, they're back there on the back tables. Um, we invite you to, to find those there. Our preschool children's Sunday school classes are in need of teachers starting now. If you can volunteer, please see Katie. Thank you for your willingness to help in this important ministry. Um, please plan to join us on Wednesday night for supper, a catered supper, January 5th at 5.30 p.m. in the social hall right over there. The menu is lasagna, bread, salad, and dessert, 
and pizza for the kids, and there will be activities for the children as well after the dinner. Children, we remind you that our Sunday night program for children resumes next week. Uh, listen for more details coming soon, and watch the look for the January newsletter. Speaking of which, if you've got an email address, we need to have it somehow so we can include you on our emailing list. Um, also, let's see other folks. Deanne Lewis's father passed away on Christmas morning. Richard Baker was her father's name, and they are not back in Green, Greenville yet. Um, so remember Deanne and your prayers and her family. Uh, Wilma Keller had a birthday yesterday. She was a New Year's baby. She turned 97, and she spent her birthday in the hospital. She's over at uh, 98. Well, I'm just trying to remember what her son said. He may have lost count, you know. He went to Walford, and we don't count that high at Walford. Anyway, 98. All right. So that's Wilma over at the hospital. Marsha McClure uh, had some surgery this last week and is doing well. Any other announcements we need to share? If not, if you raise your hand, we'll collect your prayer cards. You already done that, okay. We are very, very close on paying our apportionments for 2010. Um, although the IRS does not let us give you credit last year for anything you give this year, you could still mark an envelope if you wanted to for 2010 apportionments and we can pay that giving you credit on the new year so uh, anyway we're very close and I really am thankful and proud of you folks for the way you stepped up to bat to help us um, meet this shortfall and I think if we hadn't had snow last week so we just need to step up a little bit again let us join our hearts together in prayer Lord these are our special prayers for this day as we join our hearts together and as we pray believing that not only do we hear what I say but that you hear most importantly you hear and you act from your throne of ultimate universal power to hear and to meet our concerns we're thankful for this we pray for safety for Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan. We pray for a sister-in-law. We pray for your healing to be with Lori Moore and Mike Berg. We pray for your comfort with uh, those in need and for special prayers with the Weiss family. We pray that all the Bible studies starting next week will be times of great blessing for those who are participating. We pray for troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. We pray for Tim and Jenny Bright as Tim battles colon cancer. We pray for Luke Hall with his health problems. For friends and family members seeking jobs. For Jake's and Patterson's continued healing. We pray for Clay, Clay Thornburg who was in a car accident. Another prayer for a friend who is seeking a job. We pray for safety for parents traveling, for a mom battling cancer and her family, 
and for an aunt going through a divorce. In all these times of sickness and pain and separation and grief, we're thankful, Lord, that you walk with us. Thank you for your almighty hand that we might hold. For you carry us through, and we're grateful for this. We pray in the name of Jesus as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson, I feel so out of the shorts. Am I leaving anything out? There's no candles to light. Okay. Get back to normal schedule here. Who were those wise guys? Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here ends the lesson. Ever since the churches have learned that we too can use Wall Street's product slogan approach to life, uh, just like big companies do, we've been treated to all kinds of billboards and bumper stickers. Especially this time of year, we see the one that says, wise men and wise women still seek him. The arrival of the wise men that we celebrate on Epiphany Sunday, which is today, and Epiphany Day is January the 6th, marks the 12th day of Christmas, complete with 12 drummers drumming. In some countries, Epiphany is the day that presents are exchanged between friends and family members to help people remember the arrival of the wise men who brought the first Christmas presents to the Christ child. But just who were, the, who were those wise men? 
And why were they so wise? I have an aunt. Now, you have to understand that she is from the hills of Virginia with that special, wonderful brogue that is up there. And she says that the, firemen, that the wise men were firemen because it says that they came from afar. <laughs> Somebody got that. I'm amazed. <laughs> well, to deal with our questions about who the wise men were, we've got to deal with a few misconceptions first. The first one is the misconception that says that they were royalty, that they were kings. We three kings of Orient are, we sing. But the idea that they were royalty comes from a later church tradition. Since Jesus was a descendant of a king and destined to be king, it would be fitting if royal dignitaries uh, from far away came to pay him homage. But the Bible doesn't call them kings. Matthew says they were magi, wise men. We usually picture three magi because there were three gifts. But there are some ancient traditions that say that there were 12 wise men that came to see Jesus. We don't know their names either from any biblical source. Names have been added to them by church tradition. Another misconception is that the wise men visited, visited Jesus on the night of his birth while he was still in that stable lying in a manger. I think that's a necessary misconception because when we are uh, conducting manger scenes using our children, it'd be very difficult to change the set, you know, after the shepherds get there. But Matthew says that the Magi found Jesus and his mother in a house. I rather suspect that Jesus spent only one night in that stable. Surely Joseph would have done everything he could the next day to find better accommodations for his family. The Magi told King Herod that the star had first appeared in the sky about two years before their arrival. So Jesus might have been as old as two when the wise men found their way to Jesus in a house in Bethlehem. It would be, I guess, too difficult for us to adjust our nativity scenes, but I want you to be aware of this nevertheless. Still the question remains, who were these guys? They were probably Zoroastrian priests from Persia, which is modern-day Iran, uh, Iran. We, we can't get away from Iran no matter what we do here in our uh, modern world. The founder of their faith was a man named Zoroaster or Zarathustra. He believed that there was only one God. And he also believed in an evil one who was the source of all our troubles, who was opposed to God's plans in our world. He believed that God would be victorious, but in the meantime, we lived in this world of strife. When the Hebrews were taken captive into Assyria several centuries before the birth of Christ, the Hebrews and the Zoroastrians uh, exchanged ideas due to the, to the similarity of their two faith traditions. 
The Hebrews came back from captivity after their 70 year time down there with a very renewed and strong belief in Satan and demons. Emphases that had not been a part of Judaism before the exile. And the Zoroastrians had heard often the uh, prophecies and dreams of the people expecting another great king like King David who would be the Messiah, the ruler. And so they too began looking for the one who was this great world leader. So these magi were Zoroastrian priests whose forebears had probably heard about a coming Christ and they had been looking for a sign of that coming and that is what they did. They came to find him after they saw the star. But it was their science of their day and not their faith that gave them the sign that they were looking for. For you see, they were scientists as well as holy men. Now, I hope that nobody today takes astrology very seriously. You can still read the papers every day and find out what happens to people under your sign. People ask me about what sign I was born under, and I said, I think it said Waffle House. I'm not real sure. <clears throat> but astronomy is what we have today to study the stars and to see what's out there that might impact this earth. But back there, it was astrology, the study of stars in a different way. And these Zoroastrian magi were scientists of their day, astrologers who studied the stars for clues to life's meaning. They were students of nature, skilled in medicine, but they were also holy men, priests. They managed to blend together science and religion. Bishop Roy Clark, who was our, our bishop a few years ago, stated that we could well learn some lessons from the wise men. It's often, it seems often to us that science and religion are pitted against each other, as this slide would indicate, forcing us to choose be between the two, one or the other. We see this in our day as schools debate what they're going to teach when it comes to biology, evolution, or creationism. And when we debate, debate things as we do during presidential debates like stem cell use. Bishop Clark said that faith and scientific inquiry can and should somehow coexist for us as it did for the wise men. We can be faithful to God while we're still being faithful in obtaining knowledge from scientific inquiry. These magi were students of the stars. Whenever a new star appeared, their science helped them discover that. But it was their faith that gave meaning to what they saw. They believed that there was some significance about what they discovered in science. So when the Christmas star appeared, they remembered the prophecy, a star shall come forth from the house of Judah and they set out to find the uh, new king. Do you see how they blended together science and religion? Science gave them the insight that something new was going on, but it was their faith that led them to the meaning of it all. Science tries to tell us how the world was created, but it can't tell us a thing about why God created the world, the purpose of life. The reason God made you, that's something that you have to find out from faith. 
Someone once asked the inventor of the telegraph, Samuel F.B. Morse, if he'd ever come to a standstill, a place where he was stuck, unable to, to know what to do next as he worked on his experiments. Morse said that happened more than once. And when it did, he would pray for light and insight. And this is what he wrote in answer to that question. That's why I never felt that I deserved the honors that came to me from America and Europe because of the invention associated with my name. I had made a valuable application of the use of electrical power, but it was all through God's help. It wasn't because I was superior to other scientists. When the Lord wanted to bestow this gift on mankind, he had to use somebody. I'm just grateful he chose to reveal it to me. In view of these facts, it's not surprising that this inventor's first message over his telegraph was, what God hath wrought. As students of both science and religion, the wise men were symbolic of the fact that all who seek God will find God and that all true wisdom can be found in Christ. They may not have been very wise in some people's eyes, after all, they abandoned their homes and their livelihood and chased after a star for about two years, perhaps, just to give some presents to a little baby they hadn't met yet. But they were wise because they remind us that the most important thing, the only true thing that we need to find in life is Christ and faith through him. The wise men were also those whose gifts had an eerie sense of prophetic foreboding about the work of Christ. It's not likely that they had any symbolic meaning in mind when they gave these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those were just valuable commodities of those days, something that could be carried across the desert for long miles, but which could be used by the recipient of the gift for barter and for food and other necessities. When it became apparent to Joseph that he had to take Mary and, jo and Jesus and go to Egypt to escape from Herod, I can imagine that Joseph was glad to have these commodities to trade for provisions for his journey. But looking back on those gifts from our vantage point, it's hard not to see symbolism in those gifts. Gold was a gift fit for a king. Frankincense was used by priests in the worship of God. And myrrh, among other things, that was used as a burial ornament, uh, or ointment, excuse me. Um, Jesus is our leader, our king. He performed a priestly duty of making an offering on behalf of God's people to God. He died and was buried for us, and he rose victorious over sin and death. The gifts of the Magi seem to symbolize Jesus's mission. Someone has said that it's very unfortunate that these visitors from the East were not three wise women. If, there had been, if they had been wise women, they would have stopped to get directions earlier than they did. They would have gotten there on time and they would have brought some better gifts like diapers and other things which would have been more helpful. The gifts of the Magi were also the very best gifts 
that these wise men had to give to Christ. They didn't give their leftovers. They gave their best. Which causes us to ask ourselves, are we giving God our best or is he just getting our leftovers? The gift of gold can represent the gifts we give God that have been earned by us in our livelihood. Now you will notice that they didn't give anything made out of copper, not even silver. They gave their best uh, gifts gold and they gave generously. I have a minister friend who says that he really prefers silent offerings when the offering plates are asked. If you hear kerplunk, kerplunk, that's just nickels and dimes. Silent means it's a little bigger, you know. Are we using our vocations as a means whereby we might advance God's work in our world? If so, then the most meaningless task that you might do still has meaning and purpose. If it provides income not only for your family but gifts to God, suddenly it has meaning. And you can say, thank you, God, for this task that I've been given. And when I give to you, I am grateful that you're using me in your service. Frankincense was used in worship and can represent our inner treasures of thoughts and influence. Have we dedicated that inner treasures of our hearts and minds to the Lord, asking him to be the Lord of our thoughts and attitudes? Are we humbly lovingly and consistently using our power of personal influence for Christ. The gift of myrrh, which was, as I say, an embalming ointment, could represent our sorrows, our sufferings, our disappointments. George Buttrick says that the bitter gift of sorrow is the hardest thing that we find to give to Jesus. He says that the reason that sorrow hardens one person and mellows another is that the first one keeps their sorrow in their hearts and the other one gives their sorrow to the Lord Jesus. Have you given your sorrows and your suffering and your disappointments to Christ as an offering, asking him to use even your sorrows and hurts for your glory, for his glory rather? For it brings you healing when you give those for his glory. Who were those wise men and what made them wise? They were servants of God who knew how to blend together what they were learning from science with what they were learning from faith. Who knew that Jesus had been given for everybody in the whole world, Gentile and Jew, who risked everything to find their Christ who gave their very best to the Lord when they found him. May we all be magi. Amen. I invite you now to stand with me as together we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord.
Please be seated, and we will now worship God by giving. This song was going to be great last week because it was the day after Christmas, but it'll still fit this week. So. Here comes the letdown, Christmas is over. Here comes the meltdown, there goes the cheer. But before we have a breakdown, let us remember the light of the world is still here. Day after Christmas, merry rest of the year. Even when Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. Come January, I'm ready for summer. The Super Bowl's over and I'll settle for spring. Sometimes we all need a change in the weather, but it don't change the reason we sing. Happy day after Christmas, merry rest of the year. Even when Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. So take down the stockings, so take back the sweaters, take down the lights and the star and the tree. Oh, but don't let the world take your joy after Christmas. Take joy to the world and just sing. Happy day after Christmas, merry rest of the year. Christmas is over, the light of the world is still happy, day after Christmas, merry rest of the year, even when Christmas is over, the light of the world, the light of the world, the light of the world is still here. Day after Christmas, happy Day after Christmas, happy Day after Christmas, happy Day after Christmas Let's stand and sing together. Three kings of Orient are wearing. 
ever so far Field and fountain, moor and mountain Following yonder star Oh, star of wonder, star of night Star with royal beauty bright Westward leading, still proceeding Guide us to thy perfect Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Frankincense to offer have I, incense songs a deity nigh. Prayer and praises, voices raising, worship Him, God on high. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us. mine its bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering bloom sorrowing sighing bleeding dying sealed in the stone cold tomb oh star of wonder star of night star with those wise men who were wise enough to know that the answers to life's questions raised by life and science and discovered in daily life could be found in Jesus Christ. Amen. And God will raise you up a great week.